You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everybody. Broadway is coming back. And today we've got an interview with Twee McCallum, the first woman of color sound designer for the Broadway show Chicken and Biscuits. And that has performances starting tomorrow, September 23rd, 2021. Hey everyone, welcome to Thesis on Joan. I'm Megan, she, her. I'm Holly, they, them. Thesis on Joan is a podcast dedicated to amplifying voices from the LGBTQ plus community in the New York performing arts scene and examining the industry from a queer perspective. Join fan queers and theater professionals, me and Holly, as we sit down with groundbreaking theater folk, from Brooklyn cabaret performers to people backstage and on Broadway. For many queers, theater has been an escape. This podcast looks to have open conversations on where we've come from and where we're headed as a community while queering the canon along the way. Hey, Holly, how's it going? I'm good. You know, it's uh, getting into our favorite season, fall, so I'm feeling excited about that. How are you doing? I'm good, even though it's going to trick us with hot weather next week. Yeah. But we're we're going to choose to ignore those days and just, <laughs> you know, move, move forward with the sweater time. Um, yeah, it's... It's It's been wild to see all the different shows opening and, you know, thinking back on this past year, the only thing that I saw, I'm doing quotes live, was the Come From Away taping, which which was really cool and, and now it's out and folks can watch it on Apple Plus if they're so inclined. Um, but yeah, it's we, we have something coming up tomorrow, but first I wanted to ask you if there's anything you've seen live yet this year. No, I haven't seen anything live I feel like the closest thing I got was when I saw, I watched like the projection of my hometown theater's production of Cabaret from the parking lot. <laughs> so it, it was happening live, but just we weren't in the in the room where it happened, uh, as they say. What, was anyone in the room? Or was it yeah. like some people were in and some were out? You, oh, could, okay. you could sit in the theater and watch it. But this was also like fall of 2020. <laughs> And uh, I, I wasn't going to sit in a theater with a bunch of people from Ohio. Sorry. Yeah, I know. Absolutely not. Yeah. I love cabaret in a parking lot, though. I think that's it's a good vibe. Yeah. It wasn't quite <laughs> Berlin, but, you know, it was, it was mm-hmm. something different. <laughs> Similar despair, though. Yeah. It was like a drive-in, but theater and, and live. So, yeah. yeah, I think that's the closest thing I got. And I didn't really see any of the, like outdoor stuff unfortunately i feel like over the summer it was just too hot for me and i just wasn't up for it and busy yeah yeah 
how are you feeling about the possibility? Well, the reality <laughs> very soon of being indoors seeing a show. I know. So uh, very exciting news that Megan and I are going to be seeing the final dress of Wicked tomorrow. I'm still in shock. Yeah. This will, this will be, yeah, our first show on Broadway in the, in the house, um, since March 2020. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Wicked was the first show I saw on Broadway. So it feels very right that this would be like my first show back. And I still love it, even though, you know, we're what, 20 years out? Yeah. Almost. <laughs> and it was my first show on Broadway too. Yay. Um, yeah. Saw many a community and regional theater as I know you did too. <laughs> yeah. It was the first like proper Broadway show I saw. So, um, yeah, it's, I've, I've done like indoor things. Like we just got pancakes a couple of days ago yeah. sitting indoors, <laughs> but it, it has never been like crowded, you mm-hmm. know? So that's what I'm most curious about. I, I don't know what the dress seating situation is going to be, but I would presume, I know they're selling every seat. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I could gauge my comfort level until we're there about what it's going to be like to sit that close to so many people. It does make me feel better, at least for like indoor dining, that now they're requiring everyone to be vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It does make me feel a little safer, I guess, even though there's still breakthrough cases. Same. Yeah. And I think that the Broadway theaters are being so strict about it for not just audience, but everyone who's physically working in the building. So that it does give me some peace of mind. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, everything's a little bit of a risk. Yeah. And it's... uh I think we just have to, we're going to be living in that reality of, I don't, it's always been like, oh, is this show worth paying this amount of money? Is this show worth my time? And now it's like, is this show worth my safety? That's that's a really, very few things I would argue are are worth my safety. So it's going to, I don't know. I'm going to be sad about all the shows I'm not going to just because I'm like moderately interested and don't want to go out of my way to expose myself to see him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I saw something yesterday that was like, do I trust the, all the like government regulations are doing things in the best interest of my health or in the best interest of capitalism? And it definitely mm. feels like the latter. hundred um, percent. Yeah. Yeah. So it's hard. And I feel like theater is the same way. Yeah. Cause it's not like, we were just talking to an upcoming episode we have with uh, Miss Hazel Jade, but we talked a little bit about that, like, difficulty of you are upset that capitalism is prevailing, but at the same time, you don't want artists to go without jobs. Right. <laughs> so I think that's kind of where, where I'm at with everything is like, there's a much safer way to do this, but it might mean a lot less people are employed in the arts industry and it's, everyone's been hit so hard and with unemployment ending, mm-hmm. like I know a lot of people are at the end of their, their like line here. So they have to get some kind of work. It also makes me feel better that your fiance is like leading the COVID safety team. <laughs> Knock on wood. Hopefully everything's fine. Um, so yeah. I trust Grace and that also that you'll be there and she wouldn't put us in danger. <laughs> yeah. She's as Holly knows anyone who knows her, she's very meticulous uh, <laughs> by the book, by the rule person. So um, yeah, I know they're, working tirelessly the whole team there to make sure that everything is safe as possible. And it, it has been so far. So, um, yeah, that's the other thing that's tricky is like 
the, all the people that have been put into these positions, because every show has a COVID team, it's one of those, like, you don't, what do they always say about, like, sound designers? It's appropriate for Twee. Like, you don't really want to, like, know that they're there, mm-hmm. right? Like, if it's done well, you don't even know that they exist. Yeah. And I think that's what's happening with the COVID teams, too. Yeah, I feel like for, op- like, operations, it's like, oh, you don't know they're there until something goes wrong, and then everything's their fault. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll see. With all the shows opening up, I'm sure things will be happening because it's unavoidable. Yeah. But but I'm so excited. Like, I can't believe we'll be seeing a show tomorrow. We'll, we'll have to report back afterwards. And yes. I, I know it's just going to be such an emotional day. And uh, uh, I'm so excited we get to spend it together. I know. <laughs> I, we're all going to cry. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Probably multiple times. Yeah. We were, um, like, we were saying, I think it had been six years for, for you since you've last mm-hmm. seen it. And I think it's been... Yeah, like four or five, maybe six years for me since I've seen it. Which for theater people is a long time to not see Wicked. Yeah, <laughs> so. it was like one of my, the big like gateway drug for me. Oh, sure. Um, that really got me involved in like the online fan community. I found a lot of friends through that show. It really like expanded my knowledge of theater and history because I, mm-hmm. you know, as I learned about the different artists involved, I would like learn about their work and it just kept like spreading out from there. Yeah. I was one of those. I feel like we're right in the same mm-hmm. like lane of like wicked led me to rent. <laughs> like I knew rent existed, <laughs> but it was like knowing more about Adina that like led me to listen to rent more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So yeah, that's, that's totally true. It's a good jumping off point. For, yeah, I think it still is too. It has that kind of lasting power. Yeah, so. no, I feel like it's still really effective. I did. I will have to say, like when I saw it the last time, I was like, oh, like there. I don't know if people have just seen it before. It just feels like a little stale because just like the audience reaction was nowhere near where I remember it being. Like mm-hmm. the first couple times I saw it, and like the laughs weren't yeah. as big, and the I don't know. It just the energy was very different. But I feel like tomorrow is going to be really wild. Oh, yeah. <laughs> People are going to be excited. Yeah. <laughs> At least we are. That's for oh, sure. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it makes me feel better that like there have been some shows already that are going, you know, like Waitress and Hades Town and um, Passover have been going and like mm-hmm. they haven't been shut down. Nothing's been, you know, a huge yeah. super spreader event. No performances so. have been canceled yeah. as far as I know. So that's so great. It's great. Mm-hmm. See how it goes. The only sad thing about Wicked Tomorrow is that we're not seeing Alexander Billings. I know. <laughs> it's not a moral, I was so but. excited when you asked me because I thought she would be in it. And, but according to her Instagram, <laughs> she is performing in it, but she's currently not in the cast. So hopefully like later this fall, she'll be back. And, you know, it's always time to celebrate trans actors on Broadway. But like, I think especially right now with Cameron McIntosh's recent comments and then his like, sorry attempt to walk it mm-hmm. back. Yeah, let's let's do that more. Yeah, and that Alexander Billings takedown was, I mean, oh yeah, it's sad that she had to do it, but like, thank goodness that like she was able to use her platform to just kind of speak truth to mm-hmm. Cameron McIntosh. I mean, no one, no one's surprised, right, that this is how he feels, yeah. but it's. At least we have, we can point to it now and be like, this man is transphobic instead of speculating yeah, about it. Definitely. Well, that, that's a good way to move us to our action of the app. Some other things I'm sure you're aware of the recent abortion bans in Texas. Uh, so we're promoting some ways for you to fight for reproductive justice. Yeah. So the first step that you can take 
very simple, is sign the Planned Parenthood petition. This petition came out in response to the the Texas uh, ban that was just passed, but it's more of a blanket statement, um, just targeting specifically the the ban that just came out. Um, but basically, all they're asking you to do is act now during this red alert moment for sexual and reproductive rights and tell the government, my health, my abortion, my body is my business, no one else's. So we'll link to uh, that petition. It just takes a couple seconds to sign it. And then what, uh, another thing that you can do is contact your members of Congress and tell them to support the Women's Health Protection Act, uh, also known as the WHPA of 2021. It's a federal legislation that will protect the right to access abortion care throughout the United States. So WHPA it protects the right to access abortion free from medically unnecessary restrictions and bans on abortion, including mandatory waiting periods, bias counseling, two-trip requirements, and mandatory ultrasounds. And it should also create a statutory right for healthcare providers to provide abor- abortion care and a corresponding right for their patients to receive that care free from medical unnecessary restrictions that single out abortion and impede access. And we also want to say that access to abortion is needed for people of all gender identities. So we want to make sure language we're using is inclusive uh, when we're talking about reproductive justice. So two easy steps, sign the petition and then contact your reps to support WHPA. So we'll put some links in our show notes so you can really easily access the Planned Parenthood uh, petition and also a way to reach out to your representatives about the WHPA. A little harder than last week's homework, but you got this. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And now we're so excited to uh, introduce our interview with Twee McCallum. Heads up, there is a little background noise in the latter half of the episode where they were recording in a theater and there was a thunderstorm. It was very atmospheric and great for a sound designer, um, So, but it's still very enjoyable. Twee McCallum is a New York City-based designer from Baltimore, Maryland. Her favorite theatrical credits include Kansas City Rep, Baltimore Center Stage, Atlantic Theater Company, and Chicken and Biscuits in fall 2021 as the first woman of color and woman number nine sound designer on Broadway. She has worked in television, digital content for stars, NBC, and Marvel. Most importantly, she is a former student of Howard University's theater department and a graduate of Yale School of Drama's one-year sound program. When not working, she loves learning American Sign Language, playing zombie video games, and taking care of her pet snails. Well, first off, welcome to the podcast, Tweet. We're so excited to have you. We like to start off by having our guests share their names, pronouns, and anything else you would like to share about how you identify. Yeah, sure. 
My name is Twee, Twee McCallum. My pronouns are she, they, he. Um, I am black. I'm a black femme, um, but gender non-binary in spaces that I need to be in order to make other people um, comfortable to share the pronouns they want to share, which is why I go by she, they, he. Awesome. Thank you. And so I, I just wanted to hear a little background of how did you become interested in theater and, and sound design? Oh, sure. Um, I'm from Baltimore and I went to a really bad high school. I was a very bad teenager. And so (laughs) (laughs) one of the things that helped keep me out of trouble sometimes was um, I was part of this after-school work-study program at um, the Baltimore Aquarium. And the basis of that program was high school students would come there after school three or four days a week to learn about science and the ocean and stuff like that. And every summer we would have to write and create a play that we would then perform at um, the public libraries for kids throughout the summer. So that was my introduction into theater, but I still didn't know like theater was a thing back then. <laughs> So when I went to college, I went to Howard University. I did two years there and then I dropped out. Howard is mostly known for like the black stars that they produce, such as Felicia Rashad, Chadwick Boseman and people like that. But they also have um, a technical theater program, which is what I was in. When I was there, they didn't have a sound teacher. They still don't, unfortunately. But when I was there, I was forced down this like costume design path that I hated (laughs) but the first time I realized sound was a thing I was a dresser for one of the shows at my school and I remember standing in the wing waiting for my actor to come off so I could do a quick change and I guess I was standing in front of a speaker or something and I could hear this like loud sound cue like wash over my body and I was like oh that's so cool like that's exactly what I want to do so that's how like theater came into my life. That's an amazing story. And also, like, does Howard need to hire you to be the, even though you did? (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a problem that needs to be fixed. Yep. (laughs) We don't want anyone to be forced into costumes that doesn't want to be. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And on your website, you say that you're mostly inspired by the labor of scenic designers and intimacy coordinators. Can you share more about what you find inspiring about those roles and how you translate that? into your work yeah so funny enough when I was at Howard I failed a lot of my classes including scenic design I just didn't understand like why does a circle need to be this big in order for something to work all of that went way over my head (laughs) but as I started working professionally To hear a scenic designer talk about their concept and the fact that they spend so much time before the other designers even start working on the show, um, they spend time talking to the director, to the artistic director, um, to everyone else about what the visual world of our story is. So essentially, the rest of the design team 
is basing their design off of what the scenic designer creates. So I just have a deep respect for the level of work they have to do before I start working. As far as um, intimacy, um, people, I love the relationship they build with the cast members, but also in this time of COVID and Black Lives Matter and things like that, their level of knowledge about how people should talk to each other. How should a rehearsal room run? Why is it not okay to say certain things? Like their purpose on a show extends beyond just making sure the actors can safely perform like a kiss or a fight scene. Um, they really know, know how to work with the entire team to make sure we're all just being normal, nice people at work and I really respect that so yeah yeah I wish we had intimacy coordinators for more aspects of life (laughs) yes (laughs) (laughs) yes oh that's awesome and congratulations because this fall you're designing uh chicken and biscuits you'll be the first woman of color sound designer ever on a Broadway show that's amazing uh and sad that it's taken this long but congratulations for you what do you think made it possible to achieve this and to get to this point? And, and what do you hope it does for other women of color designers? So let me preface this and say, allegedly, I'm going to be that because with COVID, you know, and to be honest, I would not be mad if this show doesn't open. Um, I mean, I want my teammates to experience this show for themselves because I'm not the only one um, who's getting my first Broadway credit. Most of us are except the costume designer. Um, but for me, if COVID shut things down, I feel like, wow, I accomplished this. And if that is it for me, like I'm okay with somebody else coming behind me and like officially pushing that door open. Um, From my understanding of how I got on that show specifically, the director probably had to fight for me um, to have that seat. Between conversations with him and I, I'm pretty sure that the um, producers and people in charge try to push on him like certain men of color that always do all of the big shows um, have tried to push on him. A lot of the white people that get to do all of the shows and this director had to make a conscious decision to make space for a black woman sound designer to do this show. And I want to emphasize that because I know in the the theater community of folks of color, there's a constant conversation going of how do we get more more people of color on stage? How do we get more playwrights commissioned? How do we get more designers of color? And it takes people making a conscious decision to allow certain people to take up space. Um, and when I share all of this on social media, I like to be open about there have been eight women before me in the how many years Broadway has been a thing, 60, 70 years, there's been eight women and I'm woman 
number nine. Um, I, assume I'm the third black person and the first two black people are men and they're also both on Broadway this year. I think I'm going to be the only woman sound designer on a Broadway show this season. So it's just so many things where if you look at the numbers and look at the faces of doing the faces of people who are doing things, um, it, there's a big gap in who's doing what. And I think it just comes down to people making a conscious effort to make space. That's it. Like there is no fairy tale answer of, Oh, I worked really hard to get here, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. I did, but I would not be on this show if Jalen did not call me at nine o'clock PM and say, I want you to do my show. I'm not going to let the producers hire somewhere else. That's it. That's amazing. And using that power to like fight for it. Um, and to that point, you had uh, a public letter last year about the need to expand oh. inclusion in hiring <laughs> beyond black actors, writers, directors, and producers to include black designers and creatives. So I, I guess your role shows a little bit, but besides that, have you seen any change in the last year? Or what, do you, what are your thoughts on that now looking back? People love asking me about this letter <laughs> and it's humbling because I meet so many like college students and high school students who will see me on like a Zoom function or something and say to me, Twee, like I read your letter last year. It's so humbling to hear a 17 year old say, Twee, I read your letter last year and it was amazing. So that's why I wrote it. I wrote it for the people who are going to come after me and not necessarily for myself to advance. Um, looking back on it, and I have not read it at all since I wrote it, despite <laughs> what people assume about me reading it all the time. I, in general, am happy with what's happening on Broadway this year. I am concerned that this will be the only time that we see this much quote unquote diversity on Broadway. I am afraid that next year and the year after we're going to go back to, oh, there's no black woman lighting designer on Broadway. I want to shout out, um, Kathy Perkins, who was like 60 something years old and has been designing for like 40 years. But Kathy Perkins, I think, is like the first black woman lighting designer on Broadway in like 50 years, I think, which is insane. Um, so I think things are OK for now. I do not think things are going to constantly get better. Um, and I think it's important that people are honest about that and not just say, oh, yeah, like theater is totally OK now. It is not OK. And it's going to take many more years for it to be OK. Remember 2021? We we took care of that. Right. right? It happened. <laughs> yeah, it was fine. And I hope if, if something does happen with 
theater this fall with COVID, like you get another shot in the spring or however it is, whenever it is safe to bring people into theaters. But uh, even if it's, you're not the first, I hope it happens soon for you. Thank you. Um, and then switching gears a little, I thought it was really interesting that you're studying ASL and as a sound designer, do you have like any thoughts on, on how you make sound design more accessible for, for deaf and hard of hearing folks? Oh, that's such a great question. You know, every time I step into a regional theater, they do have those like assisted listening devices, but I haven't done my work of researching how those things work and why they're important. I honestly started learning American Sign Language as a like hobby for myself and have not made it about my work as a sound designer. Um, I will say the only show I've done, I did this like Zoom thing. I hate seeing Zoom thing because I think we're all tired of Zoom theater and it makes it seem like that work isn't important. But I did this really cool Zoom thing um, called Black Feminist Video Game. It was a play with a whole bunch of music in it. And the playwright really wanted to explore how do we make this Zoom musical um accessible for people who live in in different bodies and who learn differently who hear things differently and things like that so we did have a um psychologist as part of that um production process but like many things it was a very accelerated process so I was not folded into that as much as I should so to directly answer your question me learning American Sign Language is not about me being a sound designer but thank you for asking me that because I will try to make it as part of my career (laughs) that's awesome I'm excited to see what happens with that thank you and that's an interesting point too with like for all levels of the team, like in the theater backstage in the office, like knowing what's going on with the accessibility of the production is like beneficial to every, yep. every team player because everyone can bring something different in or connect to a different community. So yep. yeah, thanks for bringing that up. So you also mentioned that you want to work primarily on musicals. What makes musicals more exciting for you than plays? Oh, I love this question. Oh, First of all, plays are so boring to me. Maybe because (laughs) maybe because I've done like two thousand plays at this point. Um, To me, there's two big differences with designing a musical. Number one is a musical for a sound designer doesn't require a lot of like in depth, like philosophical conversations with the director those take up a lot of time that I don't always like look forward to and second (laughs) um if I'm asked to compose music for a play that's fine sure I'll do it but a musical comes with the music already done everything's there for me (laughs) so my job on a musical really is focused on how do I make the band sound good? Um, and over the past month, I made, I took the step of putting on my, my website that 
I mainly want to do musicals. That was my way of putting out into the world, okay, you theater, like producers and folks who make decisions, if you come to my website because you want to hire me, I want you to know that I need you to think about not hiring a white guy to do your musicals this season. Let a woman do it or let a person of color do it because musicals are such an untapped space for sound designers who look like me. Um, and that has worked because in the past week I got offered four musicals. So things are looking fantastic for me and I will never, hopefully by like 2023, I will completely stop doing plays. That is the dream. So yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Amazing. <laughs> it worked. You put it out there and it worked. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> And you mentioned something that we were going to ask a, a little bit down further, but uh, you also compose for plays that you work on. So it doesn't sound like you want to do more composing. And would you ever compose a musical or other kind of media? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I prefer to work on plays where there's a separate composer hired. And I think the relationship between the composer and sound designer isn't talked about enough because it's a love hate relationship. In my opinion, <laughs> my word is not truth to whoever's going to listen to this and feel some type of way, but composers get treated more like creatives, whereas the sound designer is not. Um, composers get a lot more freedom. They don't get yelled at as much. Composers are just loved more in the tech process. So that's one of the downsides. But every sound designer is not meant to be a composer. And just because you don't compose does not make you a great sound designer. And I noticed that a lot of sound designers who don't compose primarily do musicals because they don't want to get hired for a play and be asked, oh, can you make a song for this scene transition? It's like, no, that's not my skill set. And I'm going to be honest about my skill set, you know? So, yeah, I could do without making music for someone. Is it assumed that, I mean, we don't know this, we're not hiring sound designers. Is it assumed <laughs> that sound designers can compose? Is that like a general assumption people have? For plays, yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, and usually if I'm, I'm on a play and I get asked to compose, the follow up question is, oh, wait, do you actually want to compose the music or do you want us to hire someone else? So I do think directors are like aware that those are two completely different jobs and not everybody wants to do both. So yeah. You can't just save on the budget by forcing someone to do something that's not exactly. really their job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Never thought of that, but that makes sense. Um, <laughs> do you feel like a lot of a lot of uh, sound designers when they're starting out have a hard time starting on musicals? It's kind of like you you start with plays. Is that kind of the general trajectory that people are on? That's a great question. And I don't really know how to answer that because, like I said, a certain demographic of people get hired for musicals a lot. Um, even with like sound people who, who are not designers, but like they mix shows, um, a lot of those jobs go to men. And so if 
if a guy spends five years mixing, it might be really easy for him to stop mixing and and go design a musical because people are going to trust that, oh yeah, you know how a microphone works. You know what a drummer needs, what a guitarist needs. Whereas um, I know a lot of great women mixers, um, I don't know if they would have that much of an easy transition into designing musicals. A lot of the older, like famous musical sound designers that I know started as playing in bands. And because they had that music experience, it was easy for someone to hire them to like design a Broadway musical with no theater experience behind them. So again, I think it comes down to like sometimes a gender thing and who's given the opportunity to do something and who isn't. That's so, yeah, it's kind of wild that it comes down to like the people who aren't sound designers, like understanding of what they think sound is and how it works. Yeah. (laughs) Like, oh, you're a music person. You can do this without like actually being inside the craft and and knowing what it, like, I have no idea. Yeah. (laughs) Fascinating. Anyway, so you've done a lot of work for virtual radio plays. You were talking about the Zoom works. Um, How does that format change? how you design when you have less control over how people will experience your work. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. I think like in a theater, you're like, okay, everyone will be in this contained space and I know where everyone will be sitting, but with zoom theater, it's like, Oh, are you playing it on my laptop speaker? Am I in headphones or do I have like one AirPod in and one AirPod out or something like that? Like that seems like there are so many different variables in that world. You know, that's such a good question. And a lot of my like teachers and mentors have talked to me about that. And I don't feel that way. I feel like people going to see a show in a theater, like people's experience vary a lot more than watching something on Zoom. And that's just my opinion. I'm sure like facts and science prove that that's not true, but um, for example, during tech, a sound designer will like get up from their, their tech table and move around the theater to like listen to a cue from different seats. Because if you're sitting all the way in the back, the way you experience the show is going to be completely different from how the person in the very front row sitting in the center seat of the aisle is going to experience that show. And so it really becomes hard to like design in a theater to make sure everyone is going to have the same experience. Whereas with like a Zoom show, I mean, it's, it's going through a computer and computers are pretty smart for the most part. As long as the sound is there, like the sound of rain is going to sound pretty much the same, whether it's coming out of a computer or someone's phone, you know, whereas hearing rain in the theater, that experience is different from house left to house right if you don't design it a certain way. I hope that answers the question and that makes sense. Yeah, that totally changes how I think about it. That's wild. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I guess how people hear things is going to also vary from, like, human to human, too. Exactly, yes. Yep, yep. And then how do you think that these mediums, the Zoom shows, the virtual theater, are going to live on in the post-COVID world? 
I hope virtual theater remains a thing at least for another like two or three years. To be honest, I hope theaters that are doing on stage productions film them and can put them on their website, even if they want to make people pay to watch a filmed version of it. But I think the beauty of this pandemic is that it's made theater accessible for so many people, um, not even in terms of people who couldn't afford a like a $50 ticket, but also people who live in Florida who can't fly to New York to see um, something that's not even on Broadway, you know? So I really appreciate that. And I think some regional theaters are going to hold on to filming all of their stage productions over the next few seasons. In terms of like strictly radio plays and virtual theater, I do think theaters are going to phase out of that. Um, because the same way it costs money to put a show on stage, it costs money to do a radio play. It's cheaper, but it's still another expense. And I feel like the reality is if a theater is doing a full on stage season, they're not also going to spend the money to do eight radio plays as well. So I think like the business model may, might not make sense for everyone. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and I hope you're right. I, I just know personally, I've enjoyed seeing a lot of artists that I probably would have never seen yeah. before, like because of geographic reasons or just, I didn't know about their work. So exactly. It's been, yes. it's been fun. Yes. And then switching over from the theater world, uh, what kind of film and TV work are you most excited to explore in the future? (laughs) Yes. um, Well, let me start by saying this. My dream job in TV and film is to be a re-recording mixer. That person is like kind of the head of the sound team. There's two heads. There's the re-recording mixer and there's the sound supervisor. The mixer is the person, I'll talk specifically about film. That person is the leader of the sound team along with the sound supervisor. So for example, on a film, the sound supervisor makes sure like the dialogue gets done, um, the sound effects get laid in. Um, they supervise the rest of the sound team that builds the sound for the movie. Then they hand everything off to um, the re-recording mixer who spends months sitting in a room with the director listening to the whole film, um, making changes, making sure the volume is what it needs to be and things like that. And to me, that feels more of like what I already do um, in theater as a sound designer. So yeah, that's my dream job. And I really want to do scary movies the most. I think I love scary movies. And in television, I would love to do more like kids content, like cartoons and children's shows and things like that. So that's my dream. Um, and I'm, I'm getting closer to that. I think I'm currently on staff with a company called, um, Formosa. They're based in California and they do a lot of projects for like Netflix and Disney and things like that. I'm currently on a Marvel project that'll come out 
like in February 2022 that I've been working on since February of this year. So it's it's really different from working in theater. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm clearly excited. We can't wait to see the Marvel piece. <laughs> did we both just finish a full Marvel watch, Megan? Yeah, we did. So we're yep. ready. <laughs> what did y'all watch? All, we all did the movies. All the movies. What? Yeah. Now I'm working on the the new TV shows, but uh, mm-hmm. I just finished WandaVision. Oh, nice, nice, yeah. nice, nice. So what what are the pros and cons? What have they been for you with working in TV and film versus in theater? That's a good question. Well, of course, in cinema, everybody gets paid more. Well, for the most part, everybody gets paid more. Um, TV is very similar to theater in terms of how fast-paced it is. Um, You have one week or less to finish like a segment of something which is just like being in tech for like a week and everyone's stressed out and then you're pretty much done and then you go on to the next thing um it's also similar in that at least in theater you're supposed to have a sound team whether people want to give you a mixer, um, in A2 and things like that really varies from theater to theater. But, um, you get a sound team in theater and then in television and film, like a sound team is really a team. It's not one person doing everything by themselves, which is great. Um, so yeah, I think those are the main pros and cons. Um, I think, in cinema, it's a lot harder to do multiple projects at one time, whereas in theater, like a sound designer can have four shows that open in the same month and find a way to be in multiple places at one time. But in cinema, like once you're on one or two contracts, you really have to like see those things through because there's no way to like overextend yourself and not get fired from something. So, yeah. Good to know. And I will not be watching the scary movies. I'm sure Holly will. Um, cause they're super into that. My partner will make me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm all here for the animation and cartoons. So that'll be great. <laughs> awesome. Um, and then moving over to a section we call Query McCannon. What queer version of a musical would you want to design? So maybe this doesn't exist yet. Maybe you have to imagine this queer musical, but. What would you be interested in designing? Oh, that's a great question. Well, one of the musicals that I'm excited about that I'm doing is that um, Chicago Shakespeare Theater. It's going to open summer 2022, and it's called It Came From Outer Space. So it's a musical about, like, aliens or something. I haven't read the script yet. They just hired me for it. And... I don't even know who the characters are, but how cool would it be if like there were two boyfriends or two girlfriends or something that had to find a way to like defeat (laughs) the aliens or whatever this story is going to be about. I think that would be absolutely great. So yeah. Yeah. Queer space musical. (laughs) That's awesome. Yes. Let me also say the first 
show I ever saw on Broadway, although it wasn't a musical. And it's funny because on Broadway, a lot of shows blurred the line of like being a musical or being a play that has a lot of music in it. The first thing I made time to see and I could afford to see was um, a choir boy at Manhattan Theater Club. Absolutely beautiful. And that's definitely the like queer play with a lot of music in it that I feel like I would have loved to design. But the sound designers did a great job. There was this scene, there was this like shower scene where like the sound of the shower and the water running sounded so great. And like the lighting designer had like fog coming out of the corner or like steam to make it seem like, oh, it was just so amazing. So yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. That was a gorgeous show. So outside of theater, then what was, what's your queer culture indulgence? This could be like books or movies or music or events. Well, when the pandemic first started, I really got into TV shows. I do not like watching television shows. I'm a movie person all the way. It's so (laughs) hard for me to like commit to a television show because after a while, I just feel like it drags and everything gets boring. Anyways, (laughs) the first show I binged during COVID was Pose. Oh my God, what have I been missing my entire <laughs> life? So amazing. And I haven't watched um, the new season yet, but I will binge all of that as well. And I just think it's one of the most beautiful shows ever written. Not only the characters, but also the spectacle of it all. It's just great. And Pose would be a great musical too. So, yeah. That would be a great view. I, how have no one brought that up? Yeah. <laughs> that's, a really, that's a really good point. They sing pretty often. Yeah. Yeah, they do. And to actually have like transgender people playing transgender characters on a stage would be amazing. So yeah. I think it has to happen. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And so our second to the last section, we'd like to shout out a queer organization or a mutual aid fund or any other queer group that um, you might be interested in telling our listeners to check out. Yeah, I'll shout out two specific people. One is um, Queen Jean, who I'm sure everybody knows. How could you not know who Queen Jean is? Fabulous person and someone who I think is actually out there in real life doing the work that needs to be done because when it comes to a lot of like social issues I think many of us um choose to just talk about it or write about it which is fine we all have have our ways of like showing up for things but Queen Jean is like a person that's out there every day living their truth and putting themselves on the line to make things happen the second person I'll say is a playwright named uh, Donye Love. Um, and I went to see one of Donye's plays right before the pandemic happened. Literally one of the best forms of like playwriting I've ever witnessed on a stage. And one of the first times I actually listened to what characters were saying on the stage. And it moved me so much. And I appreciate how much Donye writes his truth about what it means to live as a queer person um, living with certain like diseases and things like that. And what it means to not let that um, 
make you depressed or make you feel like you can't have a family or you can't have friends. Um, so I just wanted to shout out to people who are always living their truths and finding ways to make space for other people. That's awesome. Thank you. And we'll highlight them in our social and ask folks to, to give money as well. Nice. Oh, they would love that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And, and finally, then how can folks follow you online? Oh, I don't want people follow me online. <laughs> don't follow you online. Correct. <laughs> yeah. right. Well, well, we'll look out for you in, in like the playbills. Yeah, I, I guess so. I guess so. I'm, I'm, I'm quite shy. Honestly, people wouldn't believe it because I'm very vocal about a lot of things. But when people like DM me, I get a lot of messages on social media. I get a lot of emails, not even from younger people, but like older producers, production managers, directors and stuff like that. It's even older sound designers who like thank me for the work I'm trying to do and it it's very um scary to know that people know that I exist in the world you know so I'm still learning how to cope with that so yeah yeah totally I understand that I <laughs> recently had to like let more people follow me on Instagram because they were my family and I was like okay I guess you guys can know where I am <laughs> My little cousins are like, she hates us. I'm like, no, I just It's fine. Awesome. Well, Tweet, did you have any final thoughts before we wrap up? No, I don't think so. Thank you so much. Thanks for taking the time. Great. Thank y'all. This was so fun. And hopefully we'll see you on Broadway this fall. Yeah. Hopefully. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you like, please follow, rate, and review us and share us with your friends. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Thesis on Joan. We love to hear your queer culture recs and ideas for queering the canon. Send us an email at thesisonjoan at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 845-445-9251. Come back for more interviews, fun queer content, recommendations, and discussions on current theater. Until next time, keep it queer. Not that it'd be that hard for y'all to do. <laughs> Once all of the sound design, oh my god, it's wow. thundering so That's hard. That's big. <laughs> and I'm, I'm actually in a theater right now, so you're probably really hearing it with the acoustics. The re-recording mixer in film. Oh my god. <laughs> On the film, um, the re-recording mixer. We love that you planned all these sound effects. I for know, your- right? <laughs> hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the Rise Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. Rise is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.